0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to CT of the Small Bowel Inflammatory Disease Part 2. In the first part, we went through some of the basic principles. We spoke about certain disease states. For example, we went into detail on Crohn's disease. We also went into detail on ischemic bowel. And now, what we're going to do is look at some of the more unusual but extremely important disease processes that we can see in the small bowel. And the way I define this one, I think the best way to define this is iatrogenic causes of small bowel pathology. Now many of these are not the most common things you're going to think about, but I will say that you can make a very important diagnosis and save the patient's life and save a lot of grief by recognizing them. So some of the things. Clinical history may not be complete. Patients present with abdominal pain, but you don't have all the history. The clinical history may have many symptoms and specific organs of interest may be difficult to define. The primary disease process may be masquerading treatment effects and overlap of imaging findings between various diseases are the challenge. So in this patient with abdominal pain, what do you see? Well, you see markedly thickened loops of small bowel. You see the cross-sectional halo sign in distal small bowel loops. You also see haziness in the mesentery and around the vessels. You see that the thickening of the bowel and that halo involves a substantial amount of the small bowel. Now, you could say, well, Crohn's gives you a halo. Crohn's can be fairly extensive, but this might be a bit more extensive than you typically see with Crohn's disease. You also see lots of haziness in the mesentery, prominent vessels, but those are good for Crohn's disease. So, am I dealing with Crohn's disease? Well, I look and it's just really almost too extensive. And then I ask myself, what else do I know about this patient? Well, you look at the entire scan, I don't see any bulky adenopathy, I don't see an obvious mass, but I really see long segments of the small bowel that are diseased. And again, it almost looks like too much for Crohn's disease. The patient has really nice patency of the arterial and venous structures, Though thinking about ischemic bowel would make it very unlikely because it would be significant involvement and then you would expect the vessels to look bad. So that's not a good thought to me. And I'm looking again, there's lots of haziness in the mesentery, the vasorecta are prominent. So I'm going through in my mind many differential diagnoses. Then I ask the question, what about the patient's history? Is this patient a cancer patient? Is this patient on chemotherapy? Is this patient on any new medication? Has the patient had any treatment like radiation therapy? Now, for radiation therapy, it's almost too extensive, but what else can this be? So I'm thinking of something that affects the small bowel, very extensive involvement, very long length, but the vessels look good. So where am I going with this? Again, the uh, cinematic nicely shows you the edema in the bowel wall, extensive involvement the prominent vessels but still what's the diagnosis what am i specifically looking at again very extensive involvement so i'll look at the chart i'll see what is going on in this patient and when you look carefully this patient was a myeloma patient which no one told you because the patient came through the er the patient was post bone marrow transplant and graft-versus-host is one of the things that gives you the halo sign. It involves the distal bowel more than the proximal bowel, but can be very, very extensive. can also involve the patient's colon. Here's another example of graft-versus-host disease. Look at the prominent mucosal hyperemia. It makes it look like the worst case of Crohn's disease you've ever seen. And that halo... Is really a very nice appearance for a patient with Crohn's with Crohn's, but also other things like graft versus host. And this article by Bobak, the CT appearance of acute GI graft versus host in adults includes bowel wall thickening with or without proximal dilatation, engorgement of the vasorecta, mesenteric fat stranding, mucosal and serosal enhancement, and hyperenhancement, that is and then gallbladder, biliary tract abnormalities and ascites. The CT findings associated with graft-versus-host disease can involve esophagus, ilium, colon, as well as increasing numbers of thickened bowel wall segments. But again, you could see it's a great mimicker. You need to know the history to make the diagnosis. Now, When you look at the etiology of the acute abdomen oncology patients, we see lots of oncology patients. When patients have symptoms of pain, we always worry about disease recurrence and that indeed can be the case. But in patients who are oncology patients, you also need to think about things like bowel obstruction, bowel ischemia, bowel perforation and enteritis due to chemotherapy or due to radiation. So that becomes very, very important. Now this patient had a history of pancreatic cancer, had a Whipple's procedure, was having abdominal pain. Of course, concern is for recurrence. You see the thickening of the small bowel, particularly distally. You don't have recurrence in the right lower quadrant, but look how thick the bowel loops are. There's haziness in the mesentery. There's a halo effect. You see very impressive bowel wall thickening. And in a patient, who has cancer, particularly patients like pancreatic cancer, when they're on combination chemotherapy, also they're often getting radiation therapy, you got to think about things related to the chemotherapy. So very extensive bowel involvement, you're not thinking graft-versus-host because the patient did not have a bone marrow transplant, but you are thinking about other things. And chemotherapy is a very good one. And this was enteritis due to chemotherapy. Again, 5-FU, many different chemotherapies, or just the fact that patients are getting combination chemotherapies now should make you think about enteritis. It's interesting, sometimes the patients have abdominal pain, and it's severe, and it matches the CT. Other times, I see severe enteritis. I'll call up Dan Leheru and tell him but the patients are asymptomatic. Now, the whole importance of emergency abdomen, acute emergencies in cancer patients, again, we always think about the underlying malignancy itself, but again, you need to think about cancer therapy or the result from other processes related to that therapy. Therapy-related disease-related immunosuppression or high-dose analgesics often blunt many of the findings, which are usually expected in non-cancer patients. And of course, this complicates the clinical picture, rendering the clinical exam less reliable in many cancer patients and resulting in different pathologies which clinicians and radiologists should be aware of. So again, we play a major role. Chemotherapy-induced enteritis is commonly seen with traditional agents like 5-FU and Zolota, Tcan, oxyplatin, when these patients are on combination therapy, the side effects can be additive, and so you really need to think about it, particularly in diseases like pancreatic cancer is a good example where we see lots of combination chemotherapy, and again these patients can present with diarrhea, distension, or abdominal pain, or all three of them, and this is believed to be related to the direct effect of chemotherapy on rapidly dividing cells in the small bowel. So again, tumor, think about, but other things, and when you have enteritis due to to chemotherapy, it's often fairly extensive. Here's another patient with chemotherapy-induced enteritis. Look how extensive the small bowel involvement is, as well as some of the large bowel. Again, in the right patient, you could think about Crohn's disease, But in a cancer patient, you're thinking about enteritis, and you're thinking about chemotherapy-induced changes. Very nicely shown on the coronal, very nicely shown in the 3D imaging. And these volume images are particularly good, really showing you both the patient's uh, vasculature as well as the patient's bowel and mesentery. Just a really nice example. And this case really shows very well how extensive the involvement can be. And again, we see this very nicely on the cinematic rendering. Another patient with enteritis, very prominent vasorecta. And this is a patient who is on 5-FU for rectal cancer. Look how prominent the vasorecta are. These patients can have GI bleeding. They can have ischemic bowel. They can have infarcted bowel. So they need to be treated very, very carefully. And again, very nicely showing you the prominent vasorecta but also showing it to you with a negative display. Again, uh, in terms of differential diagnosis, it's really extensive involvement, but the appearance is not that of Crohn's disease. And again, ischemia would be a good thought, drug reaction, a great thought. Um, Another few comments, classic chemo targets rapidly proliferating cells, molecular targeted therapies target specific key cell membranes, and intracellular molecules. Radiologists may more easily recognize the manifestations of chemo by understanding the mechanisms of the action of the agent, and the radiologist should be aware that toxicities can be asymptomatic, and the radiologists are instrumental in reporting early manifestations of these toxicities. Pneumatosis can occur in patients who are on chemotherapy. Again, it not, is not really ischemic bowel, but it's the relationship of disruption of mucosal integrity, which can occur in necrotizing enterocolitis, bowel ischemia, bowel infarction, and or during cytotoxic and immunotherapy. Um, so it's very, very important. These findings can occur with many classic chemotherapy agents, such as those used for treatment of hematologic malignancies. Pneumatosis can be asymptomatic and encountered at routine surveillance imaging. So again, you wanna be very careful. If You see pneumatosis, we always think about ischemia and infarction, but it may not be that critical in an oncology patient and may not require any intervention. Here's a patient with pneumatosis in the jejunum, post-chemotherapy. The patient had exploratory laparotomy, which revealed the pneumatosis, but there was no perforation or ischemic bowel. Uh, We are very careful in not taking patients to surgery. Uh, This patient really had a severe abdomen, but again, there was no ischemia present period. Another thing to think about in terms of complications relates to radiation. Radiation complications like colitis, enteritis, were more common previously when the doses were higher and the fields were not as select. Now we do this a whole lot better. And so it's rare to see these changes, but it's not all that rare. Again, things like cervical cancer, where you get high pelvic radiation, rectal cancer are all common uh, processes. Chronic radiation enteritis can manifest on CT as bowel thickening and edema, ulceration, strictures, fistula and abscess formation. As the ulcers heal, there can be fibrosis and narrowing of the lumen, and stricture formation or even obstruction can occur. Beautiful example of radiation enteritis, thickened bowel, prominent vasorecta. What makes the diagnosis easy is you knew the patient's history and knew the patient was undergoing radiation therapy. So again, I cannot overemphasize the importance of clinical history making the diagnosis very simple. Here's another patient had radiation for a right colon cancer you see the clips present, it makes you think about that. Yes, you could think about chemotherapy related enteritis, but when you have radiation, you got to think about that. And in patients with radiation and chemotherapy, it's kind of a double whammy. Very nice wall thickening. With um, radiation, often there's adherence of the bowel loops to each other. This can cause obstruction or just simply thickening. You also want to be very careful that you don't confuse this with tumor recurrence. And again, a very nice example both on the coronal view and on the MIP imaging show you the prominent vasorecta and the extensive bowel wall thickening, a very nice example of changes secondary to radiation therapy. And there was a great article we wrote like a lifetime ago, Dave Blumke, Ava Zinreich, Janet Coleman. the of the bowel lumen with contrast material is critical for evaluating radiation induced changes, loops of bowel that have a thickened serpentine appearance from radiation are often adherent and matted and again that becomes very important to not confuse this with tumor recurrence another example i mentioned cervical cancer high dose pelvic radiation the bowel loops fall into the pelvis after tah and bso and you can see very impressive extensive thickened bowel with radiation enteritis it's not uncommon to see ascites present another example radiation enteritis uh, particularly involving the distal ilium though not as impressive as the case before now what about this case acute abdomen in the er really thickened bowel loops prominent vasorecta Again, I'll be thinking about Crohn's, though it doesn't really look like Crohn's. Is the patient a cancer patient? Are they on chemotherapy? Did they have radiation therapy? If it was anything, it would be chemo. Did the patient have graft-versus-host disease? Did the patient have a bone marrow transplant? Well, the answer is no, no, no. The patient has no history of malignancy. What am I looking at? Really thickened inflamed bowel, prominent vessels, really impressive on the cinematic rendering. You can see also a few small nodes in the mesentery, but the key findings are the bowel wall thickening, the stretching of the vessels, the prominent vasorecta. Well, just coincidentally, this patient started within a day or so, hypertensive medication, and this was lisinopril, which is an ACE inhibitor, and you can get acute small bowel enteritis from ACE inhibitors. You can get the most impressive examples. Look how thickened the small bowel is in this patient presenting with an acute abdomen. The bowel loop is thickened, mucosal enhancement, uh, prominent vessels, really, really impressive. You're thinking, is this an acute abdomen? That's how the presentation was. But this patient needs surgery? You're looking really extensive disease bowel ascites. I'm thinking about something I'm thinking about could the patient have embolic phenomena, I look at the vessels, the vessels look good, what has given me this marked edema? Is this patient a surgical patient? Look how impressive the bowel loops are. And again, this is a wonderful example why you need to think about drug related enteritis. Extremely impressive dilated thickened halo sign prominent vessels of small bowel. I'm showing you a number of images just to show you how extensive this disease process is. And this was due to ACE inhibitors. So again, Mike Federley wrote this article way back when, the typical thing is the patients come to the ER with an acute abdomen. And only when you get the history that they started new medications within 48 hours can you make the diagnosis. And here's just one more example. Look how impressive that bowel loop is, the edema, the ascites. I mean, we're thinking acute abdomen, we're thinking infarcted bowel, we're thinking, oh my goodness, does this patient need to go to surgery? Again, ACE inhibitors, just a beautiful example. And angioedema is a clinical description of inflammation-mediated edema in the dermis of subcutaneous tissues, owing to increased permeability across the capillaries. That explains the edema in the bowel. This may involve the skin and and respiratory and GI tracts and generally resolves after 24 hours if you stop the medication. ACE inhibitors are a leading cause of drug-induced angioedema in the US, accounting for up to 40% of all ER visits. ACE inhibitor-associated angioedema can involve the lips, tongue, face, and upper airways as well. However, intestinal angioedema secondary to ACE inhibitors is a rare clinical entity. It's rare, but it does occur. Now, sometimes the other symptoms, the facial swelling, make the diagnosis easy, but in the cases I showed you, it was all acute abdomen, and no one thought of that possibility. Once you see the cases, you then need to remember, 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 and you can make the diagnosis. The management of patients with symptomatic small bowel angioedema is mainly supportive. In the majority of cases, symptoms resolve within 24 to 48 hours after stopping the medication. Again, you got to stop the medication, so you have to recognize the diagnosis. CT findings of ACE induced, ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema include circumferential wall thickening, most commonly in the jejunum, important to remember. Mural stratification, straightening of bowel loops, interloop or mesenteric edema and ascites. So I've gone through a number of cases and there's many more things I can go through with inflammatory bowel disease, but I chose a couple. I showed you how CT can be very valuable, playing an important role in patient management and triage. I've mentioned the importance of getting a good clinical history that if you don't have a history things can be very very confusing and with a good clinical history patient was put on ace inhibitors new medication patient had radiation therapy patient had bone marrow transplant patients on chemotherapy all those things are very very important and i think if you pay attention to all those findings you're going to do a great job and with that i thank you very much for your attention